Hi, I'm Amy Garber, and I am the host and creator of After School Snack, the podcast. I'm an elementary school teacher who loves people and who loves to talk. I created this podcast to help cheer on my fellow educators and to humor my friends. I'm here to talk with you all about what we go through and how we do life outside of the classroom. This is a stress-free and non-judgment zone where I help you and not feeling alone. This podcast is recorded outside of the school day and at a non-school affiliated location. Any names will be kept private. So grab your after-school snack and let's unwind. Hello and welcome to episode three of After School Snack. I am Amy Garber and I am here with one of my most favorite people, not only because I'm related to him, but also because he is a huge inspiration to me and a huge inspiration to many people out there, um, including past students, and that's my dad. So can you say hello? Hello out there. <laughs> so if you don't know, my dad, um, his name is Andy, and he was an educator for many years. How many years? Uh, total in education, uh, 37 years. 37 years. Yes. I mean, that's I'm 35, so to think of being in the school system for 37 years is just crazy. Since then, since the 37 years in the public school, I've been working at West Liberty University with student teachers for the past seven years. So. Right. So... You tell us about your tell us your education roundup. So what what got you started, and where'd you go to school, and how 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 did your journey begin? Well, I kind of figured out when I was a young man that I wanted to be in education. Uh, I would go visit my grandma Garber, and she had her own little nursery. She would watch uh, preschoolers, and uh, I kind of enjoyed helping her with her, with uh, taking care of those little angels. And I knew that uh, at that time that I had a knack with children, that it was something that uh, I enjoyed doing. So I went off to college. I went to, after graduating from high school, I went to college at Edinburgh University. It's in uh, northern, northwestern Pennsylvania, just south of Erie, PA. Also known as where it gets a shit ton of snow. More than that. <laughs> my uh, my freshman year, it snowed 200 inches. So that gives you a little bit of idea how much snow. It's and did the they snow have box. snow days there for the kids? Or did you just grin and bear it and go? Oh, yeah. That was the... Co in college, you just went. No, I'm talking about for like the... Uh, the, the public school kids? Yeah. yeah, they had snow. Did they? Yeah. But it, did it take like a lot of... Yes. Because it's very flat. So it wasn't as though they had a lot of heels that they had to yeah. uh, navigate with school buses. But it would get uh, it would get deep. Uh, the one my freshman year, uh, it started snowing on Thursday before finals, and didn't quit till Sunday. And after oh. four and a half feet of snow, it was a little bit hard to uh, <laughs> go around and navigate campus. And right. uh, they had uh, pass clear away for us, and I felt like I was going through tunnels. <laughs> yeah, piled up so yeah. high. Oh my but, gosh. Uh, yeah, it, it would really snow up there. But uh, as far as education goes, Edinburgh was a good fit for me. Uh, I was able to really, I think, do well. I had I was in a, a pre-teaching program uh, where we would go to the elementary schools. 
uh, in middle schools and high schools, depending upon what your major was, when, when I was a junior. So I got a good feel for what uh, being in the classroom was about. You know, everybody thinks because you went to school that you know everything there is to know about teaching and nothing could be farther from the truth. Absolutely. So, so I ended up going uh, to Edinburgh and graduating uh, with a degree in elementary education and a social studies major. Uh, but in 1975, uh, when I graduated, teachers were a dime a dozen. Uh, there yeah. were so many teaching uh, pe people with teaching degrees, and there was not a lot of openings. So I worked part-time uh, in, in the merry-go-round discotheque clothing store. And uh, <laughs> What was it called? The merry-go-round. We had to waltz up to people and dance with them. Stop. Like, how did I not know that you worked at a place yeah. like that? And, uh, <laughs> your mother used to make fun of me oh, when we can... were dating at the time because that's that was the root, that was what you did. Hey, baby, you're looking good. <laughs> I got a shirt that fits you just fine. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, we had to put the wrap oh, on. Oh my gosh! You know? So anyway, I, I got a call from my supervisor because after I student taught, I student taught in um, in McKeesport, which is a suburb of Pittsburgh. So, Kind of an inner city school. Yeah, for sure now, definitely. Yeah, yeah at George Washington Elementary School. And um, I, I had second grade initially, and I was a terrible second grade teacher. <laughs> Why? Uh, I was too much of an enabler. and Because um, you still had your immaturity in you. And not, only, not only that, it just it, it didn't click with me. I mean, mm -hmm. I loved the kids. Right. And that was not the issue. The issue was, uh, you know, teaching uh, that kind of foundational information, it didn't thrill me. It just didn't give me a give me what I wanted out of teaching. Mm -hmm. So I went to fifth grade after that. Funny story about that. Uh, my first day in fifth grade, uh, Mr. LaRosa was my cooperating teacher. He, he, I came up to the room and he said, hey Andy, I have to make a phone call. Take over, read my lesson plans and do the first lesson. I said, Mr. LaRosa, this is my first day. He yeah. Said, go for it. He says, just go for it. You got to do that. I, this is emergency. So <clears throat> I got up to the board and I told the kids, I uh, got up to the front of the room, told the kids, okay, gang, make a name tag for yourself. I'm Mr. Garber. I wrote my name on the board. And uh, they were making their name tags and I was putting things on the board. So <laughs> I there was some giggling going on and I turned around once to look at them. They all quit laughing. So I was writing some more, and there was more, a little bit more laughter this time. So I stopped again, turned around, looked at, like, raised my hands, like, what's up? Yeah. And then they didn't say anything. So I went back to writing, and this time the whole class was busting up. <laughs> so I said, <clears throat> I said, all right, this is my first day here. I said, you guys are having a good old time back here. What's going on? What are you laughing about? And... Um, None of the kids would say anything. So finally, I said, come on. I want to go on with the lesson. I, let's get this out in the open. I won't be mad. Just tell me. So this little girl in front, her <laughs> name was Sophie Brown. I still remember her. And Sophie says, Mr. Gaba, you, you promise you won't get mad at us? I said, I <laughs> promise I won't be mad at you. She said, when you were up at the board, you got a duck butt. <laughs> I said, a duck butt? 
what's that? She said, you know, to kind of come around and make a big bump like that. And we all laughed. And that was, you know, that, that kind of broke the ice, uh-huh. so to speak. And uh, I ended up having a great experience with, with uh, fifth grade yeah. there. And that really sold me on being a teacher. Mm-hmm. All right. So I become, uh, I become eligible for teaching and I couldn't find a teaching job. And I got a phone call from my supervisor, who was uh, my supervisor during student teaching. He said, hey, Andy, there's a fifth grade opening in the American school in Tegucigalpa, Honduras. Would you be interested in going? And I said, yeah. I said, that really sounds like fun. Here, Edinburgh had a cooperative agreement with them, and we sent student teachers to, to, to the American school. So I went up for an interview. Uh, your mom came up. She, the two of us, went up because we were we were pretty. Were you? You were just dating them. Yeah, we were just dating. We weren't married. And yeah, because um, I know where this story's gonna go. So, so I didn't know if you guys were dating or. Yeah, we were. Dating. Okay, you're dating. We were dating, but we were pretty serious. So uh, I go up. I did the interview. Uh, and at the end of the day, after the interview, I got a call back. They offered me the job. Mm-hmm. They said, "We'd like we'd like to offer you the job. Do you want it?" Well, I was a little bit torn because of my relationship with, with your mother. Yeah. And But I said, you know, I talked to her and I said, look, this is my opportunity. I said, I'm not going to get one. I said, if things work out well, I'll call you. You know, we'll, I'll, we, I'll come back home. We'll get married. We'll figure something out. I said, but I, I need to take this opportunity because if I get the years of experience in, that carries weight when you're absolutely you know, yeah trying to get around. So I went to Honduras and it was a great, fantastic experience. Uh, I wish that every school had like that kind of teaching opportunity for, especially for young, because you're coming fresh out of college and like it's such great experience to live on your own. Not only live on your own, but live in a foreign country and learn how they live life and learn about the cultural differences and learn about the language barrier. So I, I can't, I can't only imagine how. Well, that it was the culture you hit it right on the head. The, uh, the cultures really what made it fun. You know, they, the Latin culture is very different from ours mm-hmm. and I had to learn different social norms and what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, the kids, I loved them. What a funny story. When I first got there, I was taking roll and I said to, uh, I was calling the roll out. Yeah. And then, you know, it said, uh, Rosanna Nufio. And then I saw this next name was Jesus Simon. And all the kids started laughing. <laughs> Meester, Meester, it's not Jesus, it's Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> of course, they, oh, they had a good, no. good laugh about that one. I know. So, you wouldn't know. I mean, uh, yeah. that just showed, you know. Yeah, they all had to speak English. So Yeah, because yeah, it was a pretty, like, um, yeah. wealthy school, Yes, correct? it was affluent. It, it was, was very yeah, affluent. Yeah. Um, I'm going to apologize for the little, if you hear tap dancing in the background, that's because Sydney is in the kitchen with us right now, my dog. And he's excited. So if you hear the little tappers, that's him. <laughs> Another funny story about Honduras that, that I that I enjoyed sharing is I had this little girl, I mentioned her name already, Rosanna. And Rosanna was from Italy. Mm. And she could talk faster than I've ever heard anyone speak. And she was always, hey, meester, hey, meester. They always said, hey, meester, you know, yeah. <laughs> a little accent. 
So she runs up to my desk and she was this little, little stinker, maybe. She, she was maybe three foot tall, I think, in fifth grade. I mean, she was just a little gal. And she said, Meester, Meester, one molested me, one molested me. I said, what? <laughs> Molested. Juan molested me. I was sitting here minding my own business, and all of a sudden he took my pencil and he wouldn't give it back to me. And then I cried out loud to him, please give it back, please give it back, and he wouldn't give it back to me. And I said, well, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, when did the, when did the, he molest you? You know, senor, he took my pencil. He really bothered me. <laughs> so the Spanish word for bother is molestar. So she took that as molested, and she twisted Oh, my gosh. But that is, that's, I would be freaking out. So you went to Honduras and then you ended up back here in yeah. West Virginia because, well, you and mom got married. Yeah, we got married. So they, so home. she fell for it, everybody. Yeah. She fell for the man in Honduras. And kudos to my Graham. Not that she's probably listening because she can't hear anything. But she planned that wedding in what, two months? Yeah. Not even. And then after you guys got married, yeah. you... The, the funny thing is I proposed to your mother in, in a building that had the phones in it. Because phones in those days, in 1975, not everybody had a telephone no. line. And actually, you know, cell phones weren't anything at that time. Yeah. So uh, I proposed to her. I went to a phone building and I called her on the phone building. Oh, my god! And gosh. proposed to her and I said, honey, I said, it's really nice. I'll, I'll take care of you. I'll get a nice yeah. place. for. Will you marry me? And that was the last words I said for the next 25 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's what we're doing. Oh, <laughs> okay. boy. Then we're going to do this. I was like, okay, oh, sure. yeah, That sounds exactly like my mom. So um, so you lived out there, and then you came, ended up coming back. And um, my uncle, if I'm remembering correctly, my, my mom's oldest brother um, brought you back, to, brought you to Wheeling because he was a football coach and a teacher at West Liberty. Yeah, I taught, I taught for a year in Buchanan, and uh, that didn't work out real well. So I decided to... Well, you know, Buchanan, what, West Virginia. Yeah, Buchanan, West Virginia. So I decided to leave. And my brother-in-law, Carmen, helped me out. He got me a, uh, an interview with Dr. Blatnick, who was the president of the school board. And he was on the faculty at West Liberty. So he got me some interviews, and I was lucky enough to get a job at Woodsdale. That was my first teaching job in Wheeling. Wow, wow, wow. And who else teaches at Woodsdale? I do. I teach at Woodsdale. So that was, it's funny. So my dad got his first teaching job at Woodsdale, and I got my first teaching job at Woodsdale. Yeah. I did one year, like, it was a long-term sub at Madison, but technically, like, where I got hired was Woodsdale. Mm -hmm. So people always think that's um, pretty ironic that, Mm -hmm. um, being that you're such a huge influence in me, that I also got a job at the same school you did. Mm-hmm. So you're at Woodsdale, you taught fourth grade. I taught fourth grade there for, for um, um, eight years. And then I went to, excuse me, I think it was maybe nine years. And then I taught 11 years at Warwood. I taught fifth and sixth grade at Warwood. Um, when Lynn and I first moved to Wheeling, we had an apartment in Warwood. Uh, Rudy Roth had this big old house on Warwood Avenue. It's still like and, up there, and I yeah. believe it's for rent or for yeah, sale. I think so. But it was, we had the third floor, and he had it all furnished. It was really nice. So I kind of had a had a kind of vi- good vibe for Warwood. Uh, it had the mo- he had a movie theater then at the Plaza. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. There was a movie theater there, and all kinds of shopping area, and you know the Warwood pool and the uh-huh. basketball court and all that. And of course, I was real active in tennis court. So we had uh, I had I really liked living there. So when I had an opportunity to go teach at Warwood, 
uh, and have my own classroom because I did team teaching at, at, at Woodsdale. In those days, it was open classroom. Still kind of is a little bit of an open classroom there. Mm -hmm. It's it's hard, but you get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it. But I wanted to do my own thing. So, and I, I don't mean this in a negative way, but what happened, what really kind of stimulated it was one day, I, I tell jokes, right? You know, I'm, I say things. <laughs> no. <laughs> I say things sometimes that would make the kids laugh. So one, one time, I forget what was happening exactly, but I said something, the kids all busted out laughing. And so during our planning period, the teachers all looked at me and said, what was so funny today, Andy? I said, what do you mean? Well, your kids just burst out laughing and kind of interrupted my class. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, uh, I, I, I didn't mean for the kids to do that. And so I kind of in the back of my mind said, you know, I need, I need to have my own place. I need to have yeah. my own room. And this is not just good for me, but it would be good for them too. Mm -hmm. Because... I could have been a pain in their butt with all my kids, you know, laughing. Yeah. Them. Plus, I like music, and I like to play music. I, I like to play games where you get up and move around. I mean, I wanted to evolve as a teacher. I wanted to do some more active things, more engaging things than yep. what we were doing. That's how kids learn. Yes, I think. I yeah, think so, too. Yeah, think. It's exactly how I run my classroom, too, active learning. Um. So, even though, like, that's hard, like... I know that you still consider a lot of your teacher friends at Woods, like those people oh, that you... dear friends. Dear Love friends. Them. Love them. Right. So, you know, that's a hard decision to make with... Because I, I, I can never leave where I'm at because I, I have the best team. And my, my coworkers, not only do I have the best team, but I have a great boss. And I have, you know, we have a great secretary. I mean, just the whole building in itself is just a fabulous place to be. Um, so is that where you kind of started, like, your little... Yes. Friendship crew, you're, yeah. you need your friendship crew. Mm -hmm. So that was what, you, Mr. DiLorenzo, the late Mr. DiLorenzo. Mm -hmm. Mr. Suriano. Mr. Suriano. Uh, Mr. Richardson, that's the guys. Yep. And then the ladies I taught with, uh, Mrs. Stanley, Mrs. Um, uh, Peck. Mm -hmm. uh, and actually I ended up, and Miss Sherrick went to the same church. So uh, I was Presbyterian. I was raising um, our kids Catholic because that's what Lynn was. Mm -hmm. So Amy and Brett were both raised Catholic, good Catholics. But I would, I wanted, I wanted to go to a church with my faith. So mm -hmm. I talked to Carol Peck, and I ended up going to church with her, Stone Church. Mm -hmm. Really liked Stone Church. That was a nice place to go to worship. But then when the kids got older and they were doing their catechism and joining, joining, I decided to to go with them to to mass. Yeah. So. So, then you went to Warwood. Then after you were done with Warwood, you decided to go back and get your admin degree. Yeah, I had worked. Um, I had been working. As a matter of fact, I rare, I didn't stop. I started uh, working on my elementary education degree back in in uh, 1980. And uh, after I got that, I said, you know, I do want to move up. I would like to be an administrator. I would like to have my own building. So I continued taking classes. 1980 or 1990? 1980s when I started getting my master's degree in elementary ed. Oh, okay, okay. And, okay. and then later on, I think it was after you were born, I started working on uh, my administrative degree. And it takes years. Yeah, years, you know, yeah. So I traveled all over. They had to, we went to the WVU branches. Uh-huh. went from all the way. Not from, the same. Now you no. could just pop it on right on your, in, on your computer. We traveled. I traveled so many 
how many places. I uh, know. Morgantown to New Martinsville to John Marshall to Wheeling Park mm. to Brook to Hancock to wow. take classes because they didn't obviously they didn't have you know mm -hmm. um, those kind of opportunities with technology to broadcast and take classes uh, online classes so I had to do that so my first my first administrative job and this was hard for me to do at the time because I it, we just started the school year and an opportunity came open for for me to move to do be special ed director Mm -hmm. And um, they couldn't find anybody to do the job. Oh, surprise. <laughs> hey, Andy, want this job? <laughs> hey, so, you loser. Come over here and do this job for us. Nobody else wants to do it. So I said, yeah. And even though my, uh, my insights and knowledge mm -hmm. uh, and experience was not with special ed. Hey, you got to get your foot in the door. That's right. And I learned. And let me yep. tell you, it was probably one of the smartest moves I ever made. Really? Because... Uh, later on, when I became a principal, uh, my background and knowledge of special mm -hmm. ed really helped me uh, because the special ed is a very uh, important mm -hmm. uh, aspect of our responsibilities. There's a legal responsibility and there's a lot of liabilities with dealing with special education students. So uh, mm -hmm. having that background really helped me. Mm -hmm. um, also gave me an opportunity to go to every building in 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 Ohio County, mm -hmm. met so many wonderful teachers, and to this day, I still say special ed teachers are a special breed. They are. That they really are. a special are. kind of person. I say it too. That's funny that you say that because I'll say to our special ed education teachers, I have no idea how you do it. Yeah. I don't know how they stay organized. I don't know how they... Yeah. It's it's unbelievable. There's no written curriculum. For no, them. no, they no. don't. They have to adjust to each individual kid mm -hmm. due to the IEP, yeah. and obviously they work collaboratively with the classroom. Yeah, partners, but, but still, but still they have they don't to. get any of their own materials. They right. don't get any. Everything's on their own. So right. if you know a special education teacher out there, make sure that you. Um, See if they need any help with anything, even if it's a $20 gift card to Amazon, because they are buying their own stuff, curric curriculum, most definitely. Um, I know special ed does have some money for them to get, like, mm -hmm. ink and that yeah. kind of stuff, but um, help them out and give them a hug. Give them, a, yeah. give them an after-school snack, too. But, um, so yeah, you did that. And then you went on my, you, you, you traveled on down to the river to where I went to middle school and you kind of made my life a little crazy because my eighth grade year, you became my principal and all. That was tough on you, wasn't it? It was probably one of my hardest years, I'd have to say, in education. Um, for multiple reasons, I think. You know, that's just, a you know, middle school is awkward to begin with. You're in that you know, weird stage of your life where you're trying to figure out your hormones and all that. Um, I made a stupid mistake as a, as a teenager or however old I was, eighth grade. Um, some bullying that I did, not proud of it, but I'm, I'm here to admit that I made a mistake and that mistake really did me dirty in eighth grade. And um, unfortunately for you, you had to deal with the consequences of what happened to me because of my one mistake not saying that i deserve to have all the pain and suffering no. i did no, but um it was hard and then and then to top that off we you know wheeling middle school had the same principle for a million gazillion years so here comes a new man and he you made changes and people 
you know, students weren't used to the changes and everybody was adjusting. And I felt like whenever, you know, there was any type of change, they would be like, why'd your dad do this? Why'd your dad do that? You know, this is stupid. Why do we have to wear clothes like this? I'm like, listen, that's, I have nothing to do with that. So my, my eighth grade year was tough. I spent a lot of time in Mrs. Hearn's office on the couch. Hey, so did I. (laughs) (laughs) We, We both did. I'll never forget this one time. You were at a principal's meeting. And I said to the secretary, oh, I don't feel good. And my, you know, probably I was lying, of course. I don't feel good. My dad said that if I didn't feel well, I could, I could go lay down on his couch because you had a couch in your office. And she was like, all right, whatever. And I was like, yes, I finally get out of class. I'm going to go lay down in my dad's office. He's not even going to know I'm here. And the next thing you know, like you walk in, you're like, what the hell are you doing in here? I was like, oh, shit, busted. But, um. Yeah, that was... That you used to raid my cookie jar. Uh, Amanda, my sweets. I know. We used to beg you. We used to say, can we? Can you take us to Dairy Queen? Can you take us to Dairy Queen? And you were like, no, leave us alone. So so after Wheeling Middle and all the crazies there, I'm going to come back to Wheeling Middle School though. So, so keep that in the back of your head because I had um, somebody on Facebook ask a question about, about Wheeling Middle. So we'll uh, get to that. Uh, let me say this right up front about Wheeling Middle School. Um, the success that I had there was a result of the the fantastic staff. They were awesome. I cannot say enough good things mm. about the, the teachers at Wheeling Middle School uh, were special. Mm-hmm. They were special because they had a, a, a feel for that inner city kid. And that was one of the things that I learned as a principal, that... You need to have uh, inner city kids struggle with more than just academics. Mm-hmm. They struggle with life in general, many aspects of life. Uh, I had uh, students who were uh, uh, children of prostitutes. I had children who whose parents were addicts. I had children who were hungry. I had children who were um, abused. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess you have those in every school, but it seemed mm-hmm. like it just seemed like there was more than their fair share. Uh, of course, then again, I had some wonderful students, so we had a really big range of academia. You mm-hmm. know, the students. And let me let me tell you something that also shows to you and shows to the staff at Wheeling Middle back when when I was there, we didn't know. The kids didn't know. We did not know. Everybody, like, it was the best. Those were, like, the kids and the fun that we had. Some of those people that I met at Wheeling Middle School are still my my friends today. I mean, look, I just attended one of their funerals. Mm -hmm. My my man, Bobby, um, that I met in middle school and became one of my really good friends, um, passed away tragically. So, um, anyways, so... That actually answered the question. Um, it somebody asked. Um, somebody said to you, um, "How did you know? How did you survive being at such a tough school? Because no one knew that that it was tough on the inside, you know. But because you you always maintain that inspiration." Um, 
you were always supportive, you were always understanding, and you were always caring, genuinely caring for every student in that school. So whenever, whenever I would have a, and I kind of developed this when I was there as a principal, one of my strategies, I'll call it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, kids would have behaviors in school. They would have misbehaviors and the teacher was, teacher would bring them down or they'd get in trouble on or whatever. And one of the first things I would say to them, uh, before we even dealt with their behaviors, I would say, are you all right? Mm-hmm. Is, is everything okay? You know, uh, is there something that happened today that upsets you? Is 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 uh, everything okay in your life? Is there something you want to talk to me about? Do you right. need, do you need to talk to Miss Irons? Do you need to talk to a counselor? And then after I established their wellness, so to speak, then we would deal with the issue. Um, and they seem to be re- really uh, understanding. You know, if, if if you let them know you cared, and you said it very clearly there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I let them know I cared, and it wasn't fake. No, you know it was sincere. I did care. I cared about them as kids, and we had we had actually a Title One uh, counselor also who dealt with kids that had severe I- issues outside of school. Mm-hmm. So we had Miss Sarns, we had Miss Stiglitch, and they both handled uh, a lot of the uh, emotional issues that w- that happened with kids in the middle school. Mm-hmm. And I talked about our dear friend, and he was in my office quite a bit. Oh, Bobby. Yes, he was in my (laughs) office quite a bit. But he was such a sharp young man. He was really a smart kid. Mm -hmm. And he could could do anything he wanted, but he he would always do something that would Mm. put a negative spin on him, you know, and... And uh, with basketball, he mm-hmm. had issues with the coach or, you know, whatever. And, and, but Bobby was a good boy, and he just, he just needed to process many times. He didn't know, he didn't know how to process his feelings. So uh, I, would vent, I would let him vent. Yeah, him and I think that's, like, super important, not only for education, but just in general. Like, when you approach anybody, like, if you're a boss, like, Like, there's so much stuff going on in the world right now. Everybody has shit. Mm -hmm. Everybody. I don't care who it is. Everybody has shit. Whether or not they're willing to bear it all and tell you, or maybe they just aren't there yet. But everybody deep down has something. And I think as long as we as humans continue to keep that... um, dialect open and conversation and and talk to people and communicate with them i think that that can solve so much more than what we realize and we can establish those relationships to make the world a more kinder place and you know we've turned amy we've kind of turned into our our world has turned into a what's in it for me world you know it's about all about my feelings and what i like and it was different when i was growing up it was a we world, you know, mm-hmm. we, we, um, how, how, how can you help? You know, what can you do to help? Uh, John F. Kennedy, who was my mm. favorite president, he, he said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of our mindset. It was not always about, you know, my needs. It's about our needs 
And um, mm -hmm. I don't know. We just thought of things differently. Of course, you know, everybody's selfish to an extent. They're going to worry about themselves. Because yeah. you have to. You have, you have to. to. And it's like love. you got to love yourself first oh. before you can love somebody else. But, Amen to that. But the, the, the bottom line is that our, the society has changed now. I mean, yeah. and, it, and it's really different. And so you have to deal with kids in that, in that venue. You know, you have to deal with them knowing that, you know, they're, they don't give a crap about other people. Mm -mm. And it's not their fault that they don't feel that way. You have to, you have to acquire that now. You have to teach them how to care yep. for other people. You do. So. I love that. Wow. I'm getting a little, I'm getting a little emotional. Um, yeah, that was great, Dad. Thanks. Um, so after Wheeling Middle, you traveled back down the river and went to Warwood where you ended your, so where you like got your second start and then you ended as principal there and you were there at Warwood for how many years? Uh, so I was there, total 17 years I spent in administration, two special ed director, uh, eight as um, at, at Wheeling Middle and then uh, seven. Wow. At, seven at Warwood. And I, I, there was something neat about Warwood that I just, it's, it wasn't something tangible. It was more just like a vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. The people there, the community is very tight knit. You've heard the old. Warhood. Warwood. <laughs> yeah. Got your green card, you know, yeah. all that stuff. Oh, yeah. They're, and, they're a group. And I had an opportunity because I'd been working with middle school at Wheeling Middle School. I could go back to my roots and work with elementary mm -hmm. again. So Warwood was a, a pre K to eight building second actually was it one school when you first started or did it was no, uh, or somebody no the, no not when i first started the middle school was across the street in the old high school or when i no, was no 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 when you were when you were principal oh yeah when you took over it was pk through eight yes because mm -hmm. it used to be pk through five and then there was a separate principal for correct so then you okay that changed okay i that couldn't changed. remember if that happened when you were there yeah. so you had how many kids were there um <laughs> You had to ask me that. Uh, now. That's okay. You don't have to. A lot. A lot. <laughs> it was the second biggest school at that yes, time. So it was Wheeling Park and then, then Warwood. Warwood. I think mm -hmm. now it's Wheeling Park and us, Woodsdale. I think Warwood's numbers might have gone down. Don't quote me on that. So what made you, uh, what made you call it quits? Well, there comes a time in your life, Amy, where uh, you start looking at the big picture and uh, one of the things was that uh, I, I've been doctoring, and uh, the doctor, we talked about stress. Mm. And uh, if you know anything about administration, you know that uh, there's a lot of stress on you as an administrator. And I was starting to have physical problems. I w my blood pressure was going up. My weight was going up equally. Uh, I, I, I had trouble sleeping. Because mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm a very feeling person. And sometimes I take things to heart too much. Mm -hmm. So uh, that kind of was starting to wear on me. So um, the bureaucracy, uh, one year, for example, uh, our, actually was the first year I was there. Uh, Warwood School got a, was a blue ribbon school. Mm -hmm. The prior administration awesome. uh, had, had uh, written... Uh, for an application to become a, a, a national blue ribbon school. And our test scores were through the roof. We had an exceptional. So the one grade level moved out that was doing really well. Now when I got there, I think they were in sixth grade. So when that grade level moved out and the transition came, the, 
the second grade that came into third, they were not as high functioning. Mm. So our overall test scores took a huge dip. Yeah. And it was only because the grade level that was there was so exceptional and they left. Yeah. So our test scores dipped and there was a lot of pressure. Pressure on test scores, which I just, that's another day, another episode. Mm -hmm. Are you down for that one? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. That's that's going back in the time. Yeah. Test scores, don't even get me started. Why, why, why? So you felt a lot of pressure about. Yeah. And and I just, my parents were, my my parents were still alive at the time and I I wanted to be available for them because their health was not the best. So I decided in, in 2013 to retire, and uh, I did. Yeah. And um, I started working in West Liberty. That's why I started working in West Liberty. Yeah, you couldn't to... get out of the education. No. Home. Now, you, if you no. did that, that would be a shame for many no. people because you're too good at this to, to just, com- just completely dust it off and only work on your golf swing. <laughs> well, I do work on the golf course. I know, so. but I'm just saying only <laughs> work on your – it would be a disservice to many, many um, edu- uh, future educators. But um, I just want to say this too. You know, I get asked this question a lot, um, two questions a lot. One of them I'm going to talk about in a minute, but this kind of cued me. So I started teaching. I graduated from WVU in 2010, and my first year I did a long-term sub position, and then after that I applied to do an overage job at Woodsdale. And um, a lot of people say, would, say, would say, oh, you know, you just got this job because of, you know, who your dad is. He was an administrator in the county. And honestly, you know what I would say back to them? Yeah, I did. You're right. I did probably get this job because my dad is is an administrator in this county. But what I did after that was up to me and how I made my name and how I made my mark. And I can proudly say that um, I did what I needed to do to make my own mark. And I wasn't going to let that be the reason why I got hired into this county because um, it's not fair. I mean, I worked my I worked my ass off to become a teacher. And this is what I wanted to do since I was, yep. you know, <laughs> since you were a kid. So did my dad help me get in? Probably. Probably. I know that you probably said, hey, give my girl a shot. But after that, it was all me. Well, I'm not just saying this because you brought it up, but I will, <laughs> I will say this. I have been witness to your teaching, Aww. and I have been in your room many yeah. times. Uh, I worked as a substitute principal there. Yes, you did. So I became quite familiar with with your <laughs> abilities, and I can honestly say this. You are an outstanding teacher. Oh, thank and you. And not only do I feel that way, but many people have told me, are you Miss Amy's daddy? Yeah. I love Miss Amy. She's awesome. And uh, I can't tell you how many people have told me that. Well, it's right back at you too, though. Well, it's not so much. It used to be, you know, know, Hey, it's Mr. Garber, your dad. Yeah, Yeah. Now it's. Are you Miss Amy's oh, dad? Look at <laughs> it's, it. It's reversed. It's reversed. Wow. You're the famous one now. <laughs> I'm famous. Damn straight. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna. I, I put that out there. I don't. I don't care because I think it should be known that you know what we do in life is 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 um is our own. What's the word I'm looking for? You're a master of your own fate. I'm dear. a master of my own fate. 
Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take like a little uh, break because I need to get a drink and I'm sure Adop does and I might let sit out. Oh, Adop. That reminds me. We got to talk about that later. So we're going to take a little break. And then when we come back, we have um, questions from Facebook that people asked and they want you to answer. Okay. All right. Okay, so we're back from our little break, and we are getting to the um, the question segment. So one of my friends put on Facebook, um, they said, what's the weather? And then they put hashtag ADOP. So um, I guess I can kind of tell this story. When we, oh, okay, so I have a group text with my girlfriends, and... We're like children when it comes time to snow days. Like, is it going to snow? Like, what do you think? And for some reason, like growing up, you always knew, like you always had this instinct. Like we'd be like, dad, is there a snowstorm coming? Yeah, it's going to, you know, we're going to get like three to four inches. Should be canceled tomorrow. Or no, we're just going to get a light dusting. Um, Probably just a delay. So of course, I carried on that tradition with my girlfriends, and I would say, well, let me text my dad and see what he thinks. And we would say, what's your weather prediction for, for tomorrow for school? Do you think there's going to be, you know, do you think there's going to be school or what? And you would always say, like, all right, this is the weather forecast. I think we're going to start off with a two-hour delay, and then it's going to end up getting <laughs> So then we, we gave him the nickname A-DOP because of the, the Doppler radio. <laughs> So what is the weather going to be like this week, Adolf? This week is going to be awesome. <laughs> it's going to rain on Wednesday, but the rest of the week will be beautiful. All right, I'm rain. playing golf tomorrow. It's going to be nice. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Um, a question um, that I got was they want to know what the biggest difference in teaching today versus, because you, you're familiar with this because you're in the classroom so much. Right. Um, versus when you first started education. What's the biggest biggest difference? Well, I've, been, could... I've been thinking about this a lot, to be quite honest with you, because I, I think one of the biggest differences, if you talk from a holistic standpoint, we don't just teach the children uh, academia anymore. It's more holistic. We're, we're, we're doing all kinds of uh, education. Uh, we're taking care of the child. We're feeding them. We're clothing them. Uh, it's kind of a holistic approach. We're dealing with the child, not just dealing with what are they learning in math and what are they learning learning mm-hmm. to read. It's more about working with the child. That's mm-hmm. probably one of the main differences. Obviously, technology. When I was teaching, war, even as, as, as late as Warwood, when I was a teacher there in Warwood in the 80s, we didn't have computers. What was a computer? We had no idea. Mm-hmm. I used to kid around because I used to use the chalkboard, mm-hmm. and I thought I was really spiffy, and I would do <laughs> use colored chalk and all kinds of stuff, and mm-hmm. and uh, we had to send kids out to dust the erasers and all that. And I used to tell my students all the time, uh, "I'm going to die of white lung," and the kids would look at me like, "What's white lung?" I said, "Well, if you're a coal miner, you breathe yeah. in a lot of coal dust, and it's black." Mm-hmm. I said. I deal with chalk dust. Mm. I breathe a lot of that chalk dust, and I'm going to die of white lung. So the kids would laugh at that. 
Yeah. But that, that was like a serious job back in the day. Oh, very serious. To um, go and take the erasers oh, out. Oh, yeah. You had to have your most trusted <laughs> students, right? Actually, that was part of the duty board. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who's dusting the erasers this week? You know, <laughs> it was right up there with line leader and all uh, the other stuff, you know. That's hysterical. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even imagine. Like, nowadays, kids don't even... Like, I have a chalkboard in my room, but it's just like a wall mm -hmm. that we use to put stuff up again. But you, do you know one thing that has cha not changed? What? I, I, and this is one of the things I teach my student teachers. Um, what is the number one, your number one responsibility as a teacher? What do you think? Besides safety, if you were to say another, what, what's your job? What do you need to know? I'll give you a cue. What do I need to know about the kids? Exactly. What do you need to know? You just said it. What about the kids do you need to know? Um, where they are, what, um, what they've learned. You're right on. Yeah. Exactly. Why I do you think have... about that for a second? It was kind of tricky for me. So you, so I, yeah, right. I have to, I you have to know what they've learned. So how do you do that? You, you give them an assessment. Yeah. You do formative assessments yeah. where you're, mm -hmm. and how do you, what, how, what kind of formative assessments are there? Oh gosh, there's all kinds of new stuff nowadays. Um, but yeah. Do you ask them questions? Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Sorry. You caught me off guard for yeah. a little bit. You ask questions. Okay. Yeah, we ask. Oh so, my gosh. That's all we do. I would say that's one thing that has remained the same. In order to find out what a student knows, you have to ask them. Mm. You have to give them a written test or yeah, whatever. Sorry. I wasn't grasping that. My school brain kind of went. I know, yeah. But that's where, that's where, that's what has remained the same. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh Teachers yeah. Teachers have to know how to ask their students questions yeah. they yeah. have to understand uh, what they've learned so you have to figure it out and you do that by questioning right and it also guides your instruction so that's something that is that I did that's still relevant today uh -huh. even though we have all kinds of different technologies Technology. and we do a lot of hands-on and pr uh, pr problem solving and project learning and mm -hmm. you name it you know different ways to teach I still think teachers have to know how to ask their students questions. Yeah. I have a question for you. This is this is coming from me. Um, this this is a touchy subject. What do you think the biggest change is with parents and how their how their what their respect level is for teachers over the years because it's it's not easy being a teacher now. No, it's not. And it the respect level has definitely declined, but I think that the respect level is not only declined for teachers, it's declined for all professionals, mm -hmm. doctors, oh yeah, uh, lawyers, uh, you name it, uh, politicians. Mm -hmm. you know, that there's no, that because of the bad ones, because of the bad doctors, because of the bad lawyers, because of the bad politicians, that there there's this doubt been created, and people now are because of technology and the internet mm -hmm. they've become more knowledgeable on things and they can find out and solve things themselves so they have acquired a degree of knowledge that they feel that they can challenge you know mm -hmm. this is what's best for my kid and da 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 mm -hmm. da, 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 da. Uh, and they feel that 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 knowledge and ownership uh, gives them a right to tell the teacher, "Hey, this is what you. This is what needs to occur here." This right. Is, instead of having a third-party teacher, you know, they want to be. 
goes with everything. I mean, look at yeah. what we're dealing with with COVID right now yeah. and the masks and the unmasks. And, yeah. and oh, I know that this isn't right, but, like, that's not what the CDC is saying. So do your research. So back to you're saying, like, back when I was in school, because I don't ever remember. I remember, like, Brett getting in trouble and, like, he was the bad child, not me. I was wonderful. But I remember, like, when Brett would get in trouble in school, that's my brother, it wasn't even a question. Like, you were, like, if, like there was no questioning the teacher. Right. He did it. It was done. He got his punishment right. done. Now it's, like, well, what did you do to upset the kid or what was happening or who was sitting next to him to trigger him? Like, no, your kid was misbehaving. This is what I saw. I know your student. I know your child. Right. I'm with them every day. Please listen to me. And when I was a principal, one of the things I would have to convince the parents was, look, this is an adult who has said that your child has done this. Yeah. And, you know, I believe the adult. And if the adult says this is what happens, not that I don't listen to kids, which I do, but I tend to to side on the side of the adult, the teacher, because uh, they are in charge. That's what they're paid to do. They're yeah. to be in charge of children. Whether are, or not that they do the right consequence to your liking or not, they're still the adult and they, they still know exactly right. what happened in the situation. So we have to remember that. Right. You, you know, you guys have to remember that not every teacher is going to do everything to right. what you want as a parent. But please understand that, you know, this is the situation that we saw and, and, and work with us. I mean, I'm always willing to. That's the key word there too, Amy. I think you hit it right on the head. You know, I'm not here to punish your kid. No. That's not my job. Mm-mm. My job is to help your child grow and mature and become a, a viable citizen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if we say this is the behavior or this is what they did, mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're chastising them and as human beings. This is we're, we're just dealing with the behavior here. Right. And if you work with me, you know, I'll yeah, work with you. Yeah, let's work together. Let's work together to help this kid overcome this. We're not making this his behaviors up. So that was one of the things. And, of course, the parents are always in denial. My kid would never do that. My kid would never do Not all, all the parents, please. Mm-hmm. I don't want to generalize. That's not true that all of them did that. Mm-hmm. But many parents would, you know, my kid's not capable of doing that. Why would they do that? And my answer to them would be, I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they did it. And maybe that's our job to find out why they right. did it. You know, we need to find out why he's doing that mm-hmm. so that we can have them cease that behavior or cease what they're doing. Exactly. I love that. Um, next question was, um, so this was a question that actually you're going to be surprised because it was sent to me personally and they texted it to me and I'm going to tell you at the end who sent it to me. They said, um, a personal story Give that. Give somebody a personal story to convince someone who was on the fence about being a teacher and getting into education. So if you were working with a with a student teacher and they were like, I don't know, I don't know, like, is this the right thing for me? What are you going to say to that person to convince them to getting into this profession? Do you have any personal yeah. stories? Well. I'll share a personal story after I share this with you. I think the first question I would have would be, do you like children? Right. You know, to me, when I was a principal, one of the, one of the things I would try to uh, get in the interview from the candidate was, do they like kids? 
uh, I, I think we can teach them skills. We can teach them how to function and different teaching strategies, etc. We can help teachers, new teachers with that. But I can't teach them how to love kids. You know, that, that's something intrinsic that, that I cannot control. That's mm -hmm. their own personal thing. So that's what I would ask this person. Do you, do you like kids? Mm -hmm. are you, are you going to be able to work with them through all the good and the bad? You know, mm -hmm. you know, and because it's, it's not always good. Sometimes nope. it's, sometimes <laughs> it's challenging and not easy. No. So that would be the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say, and I would just, I'll cite a story to you and I hope I don't get choked up when I, when I share this with you. The, one of the greatest rewards in being a teacher is not during the time when you're teaching. It's after. Mm -hmm. And I got a phone call from an ex-student. And I loved this little guy. He was always itchy. And he had, he was real anxious. He was always <laughs> scratching himself. And he, I mean, he was hilarious. And I just loved him to death. And he really struggled in school. Uh, and I helped him. I tried to help this kid. So anyway, about three years ago, I got a phone call. The kid is now 40-some years old. Whoa. He got out of the Army. He was in the Army, which I was glad to hear, be quite honest with you, because I think he would have been a great soldier because uh, he had a nice physical mm -hmm. uh, part of him, and he was he was the type of kid that would, would do well in the service, and I'm glad he did it. Yeah. And he said, I called you, Mr. Garber, because I wanted to tell you something. I want you to know that you had a great impact on my life that you made the difference in my life. And it got me on the straight and narrow. You were always there for me. Even after I left fourth grade, and whenever I'd see you, you'd always come over and talk to me. Mm -hmm. And you'd always ask how I was doing, mm -hmm. and how's school. And you'd talk to my mom and my sister all the time about me. And I want you to know that that had a big impact on my life. If you wanna be a teacher, and you want to have an impact on people's lives. That's that's what you should do, because uh, there's a great reward in that—a mm -hmm. personal satisfaction and knowing that I'm I'm helping this person develop. I'm mm -hmm. helping them grow into an adult, and I want to have an impact on their life. Yeah, I love it. Um, I'm gonna say something real quick that's that cued me that cued me to this story, and then I'm gonna tell you who sent me the 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 text. Um, so I was having a day last week. Um, you know, family. We had an unexpected pa um, death. My mom's brother passed away. Um, cancer got the best of him, and um, you know, we unfortunately had to deal with you know days of days of him in the hospital suffering and it was hard you know knowing that you two mom mom and you were up there and grandma and just you know anyways I was having a day stressed with the kids stressed with school stressed with masks and COVID and everything and I was literally like saying to myself like is is this what is this really what I want to do because I do, I question myself a lot because as much as I love the kids and as much as, as fun as it is, you have those days where you're like, is this all worth it in the end? And you question yourself and you question what you want to do. And I literally said that and I got a Facebook message from a former parent. And let me see if I can pull it up because I'm using my phone for this. I don't, I'm scared, 
I'm scared to pull it up on my phone because I'm using my phone. So I'm not going to, but I'm going to tell you the, the, the premises of it. And they, the, the, the parent said to me, you know, I had both of, I had two of the three of his children because they moved. So I only got to have the two older ones. And he said, I just want to let you know that you have made such a huge impact on my kids. And to this day, they still continue to talk about you and the fun things that you gave them and the fun things that you did for them to make them feel important. And... That makes it worthwhile, doesn't it? It makes it worthwhile. It makes it all worthwhile. But it's funny that it hit right, right when there. I was like, like, we don't have this material. We don't have this. And where's this? And the county's out of paper. And what? how are we supposed to make copies of stuff when the county's out of the paper? And my uncle's dying. And I want to be there with my family. And am I doing enough for my student teacher? Am I giving her everything that she needs? And then I get that message. And I was like, wow. And I actually said to my student teacher, uh, I just got this text message and she was like, wow, that's amazing. I'm like, it's moments like these girlfriend that yeah, soak them up, soak them up. So, um, the person that texted me that was what funny that I'm talking about. Uncle Dave was Connor, okay. your nephew, Connor, my cousin, Connor. He texted me last night and said, um, that, you know, he wanted to know what your, what your, um, story would be to convince somebody. And he wants you to know that you are the reason why he continued on with his education during his struggles because he had some struggles with his mm-hmm. with his um yeah while he was in college yep while he was in college so he wanted me to tell you that oh that's wonderful that's see it's that's what makes it worthwhile yeah it that's does it. so our boy connor all right moving on um so i had some um funny things um there was a rumor on the street that you used to pretend like you were a leprechaun on the intercom. I don't know why you say that. <laughs> it's just a wee leprechaun calling on here it is, St. Patty's Day, and hoping all of you out there have a wonderful morning. <laughs> so this person said they enjoyed you getting on the intercom because they were in middle school. And of course, when you get to middle school, there's no more, you know, Santa talk, and there's no more... Easter eggs and all that fun stuff that you do when you're in, you know, Valentine Day parties are, you know, not very... The elementary stuff. Yeah, it's the mm-hmm. elementary stuff. So for you to get on there and do that, that really meant a lot to that <laughs> to that student. <laughs> I, I used to do all kinds of stuff. I would pretend I was Santa Claus yeah. on occasion. I'd um, I remember those phone calls that yeah. you would send him and then, like, to the parents. <laughs> and then we would have to listen to him at home on the voice message. On the answering machine, and mom would be like, geez, is this handy? <laughs> and then they would cut you off because you were going too long. But, yeah. yeah. I had a good time with that. Yeah. I enjoyed that. I remember when you were, didn't you pretend to be Paul Malo or something? Yeah, I dressed up. We had a pep assembly. Yeah. Uh, we had a pep assembly at the elementary school before the Steelers played, I believe was it, it was. Green Bay. Packer. Green Bay. And I got a tr- Paul Malo. I had a jersey already, and I got a wig, and I went up in front of the student body and made a complete fool out of myself, acting like Troy Palomalo, singing cheers and all that kind of stuff. I love it. We had a great time. We used to do, at Warwood, we used to do something called the Looney Tunes show. I will never forget that, because you used to bring home, oh my gosh, I can't believe you just said that. You used to bring home the the tapes, and I would watch them. We did. We would put on the parents, like I told you, the Warwood community really rallied behind the school, and um, 
we would do, they would do these really neat things. And one of them was a Looney Tunes show. And what we would do would be the end of the year and we would do different acts and A-C-T-S, acts and dances and different things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one time I dressed up like a girl and, 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 and danced with Mr. Rohal. We did, oh we did a dance. Then another time I did the, um, uh, the where you slide, the, what was the movie where the, the guy slid across the floor in his underwear? Oh, Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise. Tom and, Cruise, um, I did that, I did that. And then I'd do uh, rock, chicka, rock, chicka, yeah. rock, chicka, boom. And then we would do different cheers. I would have different costumes for the different cheers that yeah. I would do. But we and we would we just had a blast. We, yeah. we just and, and that's like a thing. I think it's Ruby Payne. If you aren't familiar with her, I think she's the author that's like really. Um, she's an educational author, and she's the one that says you got to get you got to get down onto their level. Yeah, you know, you want to make those relationships. Get down. Do those things that they that they like, um, that they know and are comfortable well, with. Well, you know the story about standing on my head. Uh, that's on my list. People to this day will still come up to me and be like, I used to love when your dad would sing happy birthday on his head and then all of his change would fall out of his pockets and we used to run up and grab the money. It it was a really simple thing. It started out, uh, I was teaching uh, long division and the algorithm. And it is boring as hell. And you, and instead of going, you know, most most maths go right to left when you work the algorithm, ones, tens, hundreds, etc. Well, with division, you work the opposite. You work left to right, and working the algorithm. So the kids were just really struggling because you got to bring things down in columns. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, geez. Oh, so anyway, so I said to the kids, I said. Holy mackerel, kids, what do I need to do? Stand on my head to get you to learn this? And to a T, they all went, yeah. (laughs) So I said, okay. So I did. I did a handstand in front of the class. Again, my tie went over my face and my my pencils fell out of my pocket and changed on the floor. And the kids laughed. And, you know, it was great. And after that... They kicked it, man. They they worked on that algorithm Aww. to beat the band, you know, because I stood on my head. Then it got to be the same group of kids. Then they said, "Do you remember who that was? Like what?" You remember Justin Friend? That's your Justin Friend. Was, that that no, group. No, it was older than that because Jamie still. Rem- you did it for Jamie's group too. Well, then I don't. Then month, yeah, you don't remember. I don't remember exactly. But anyway, so the kid, one kid came in and said, "Mr. Garber, will you stand on your head and sing Happy Birthday to me?" I said, all right. So I did that. Mm-hmm. Then it became every single kid, I had to stand on my head and sing happy birthday to them on their birthday. I love it. So that became a ritual in the Mr. Garber classroom that I always, I did that from there from there on out. That's what I did. I would I do that it. for my kids. Dad, I don't want to see this end, but it has to end. We got to say goodbye on the podcast. Well, Amy, I've really enjoyed uh, chatting with you about mm-hmm. education, my favorite subject. So. I know. I'm and, like uh, really sad. I feel like maybe we need to come back again and, and continue telling you because you had some good stories you wanted to tell. Um, but thank you. And thank you so much for being my number one fan and my number one cheerleader always. Um, whenever I'm having a bad day, I know I can always count on you and, and mom as well. Mom's my girl. But until you're in this world and you know i'm sure you feel the same if you aren't a teacher out there and you are you know until you understand that world that you that you are working in people don't understand okay i probably said that wrong 
It's hard for them to relate. It's hard for them to relate to the world that you're right. in. And unless you're in there, you don't get it. And teaching is a special thing. And if you don't get it, then you're not going to understand it. Like my mom still to this day. I love her. Love her to pieces. I love you, mom. She just doesn't get it. I'm like, don't talk to me on Saturdays. I don't want to be bothered. She, she's like, what? What do you mean you don't want to be bothered on a Saturday? I just need to be left alone. I need to get my to get my stuff, get myself back in order so that I can be the best me on Monday. And in order for that to be, I have to relax. But well, the best teachers do have an emotional attachment mm. to their to their job. Yeah. And that's why they need to they expend all that emotional energy mm-hmm. as well as, you know, yeah. smarts and all that other good stuff. Yeah. It just wears you down. It does, it wears you down. So this this has been amazing. Um, this is an experience that um, I'll never forget. Thank you so much. Love you, baby. I love you. You're the best. All right. Um, let me know if you guys want to hear round two of Daddy Daughter. This will be fun. All right, guys. Have a great week. And remember to always be kind. You never know what other people are battling um, and what they're going through. So always remember to be kind to others. Bye.